everyone. We are back. Hello, y'all. Happy Earth Day. We have a great episode on two great titles of from Disney Nature available on Disney Plus. However, um, while it was a great discussion, there were some audio issues that it didn't save correctly, especially on my end of things, but still figured as far as um, y'all should hear the conversation that we had. So please excuse kind of the bad Skype call sounding audio on my end and enjoy the episode. For another episode of Once Upon a Stream, a Disney Plus podcast, I'm your host, Maddie Shook, along with my co-host, Megan Mann. Hello. And before we get going, we have a very exciting announcement. And so, if you're listening by now, this we're several episodes in, so I bet you've listened to us enough, you already follow all, all our socials. <laughs> Thank you for it. Um, once again, at Once Upon a Stream on Twitter and Instagram, but um, a new platform um, that we actually started up for the podcast. We have a Patreon now. We do. And so, this is very unique times, and um, so... It is something where having y'all support would mean so much that, and even just a little bit as far as there's different tiers available starting at, um, just giving $3 a month really helps us support the podcast, and that'll help keep this sustainable, um, and also let us do cool things like having, like, having episodes where we do have multiple guests, or um, getting to expand and grow and kind of do some new stuff with this and let us evolve and so there's three different tiers so um first off the dream tier that's three dollars a month you're just keeping the dream alive and with that that means so much to us and we really appreciate it but going up from that then you have the wish tier which is five dollars a month and essentially with this um we know you love a good story and so that way we want to give you access to our discussions of these great Disney stories that you'll have early access to the podcast. And so it'll be like at least days up to a full week ahead um, before the episodes come out to everyone else. And so that makes you special and also gives you once again, just the moral validation that you're helping fellow creators out. And so we do appreciate you. And then finally, there's the magic tier. That's $10 a month. And so you're definitely going to have, along with just the early access, and another thing as well, um, you're going to have a bit more of a voice in our our process, what kind of topics we pick to talk about, and different things that we're going to throw out some polls in that you'll have input into um, what we're doing with this podcast. And so... A lot of cool opportunities, and any of that support is definitely appreciated. And so, with that, you can go to patreon.com, that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, slash once upon a stream. And so, once again, we really do appreciate that. And so, we do. um, that's kind of our main plug for today, but once we get that sorted, our... Are you doing kind of a drum rhythm just to kind of, and so working through some audio issues because it's Corona and that's kind of what, what's going on. Corona. But one of the things as far as Disney Plus is trying to put up some new content as far as 
timing-wise, just to give you more things to watch during this period of quarantine, but also just worked out timing-wise, same day that we're releasing this episode, it's Earth Day, and so Earth Day, Disney does have that tradition of a Disney Nature documentary coming on, and so um, definitely exciting to work out, and so let me go ahead and... So what we're talking about today, the new releases, so there were two documentaries that actually got released in honor of Earth Day this year, Dolphin Reef and Elephant, and so we're talking about that today. Now, May and I know you have a lot of history as far as with, like, the Earth Day Disney Nature releases, and so what's kind of been your experience with those? Yes, I absolutely love these movies. So it was in... So they launched Disney Nature in 2008, right? And the very first one that they did was Earth. And the trailer for it looked unbelievable. Oh my God, it was just so incredible. And um, my mom and I were like, oh, we, sh- we should go and see that. That'd be really cool. And so we went and I saw it and I was like, this, the, I, just the, I guess the grandeur of it all, like the access that they have and what the lengths that they go to to create these incredible documentaries just like hooked me. And that first one was just Earth. And so it just sort of, it was just meant to be like, oh, this is for Earth Day. We're going to release it on Earth Day. Here's a documentary about the Earth itself, right? So... It was so beautiful that I was like, okay, well, whatever the next one is, I have to go and see it. And every year I go on Earth Day, or at least within that first week, and I see the new Disney Nature documentary because every year that first week that these documentaries are released, either it's either a portion of the proceeds or all of the proceeds go to a very specific organization and charity that deals with what that documentary is about, which I love. I purposely go during that first week so I can say, okay, here's my money, put it towards the wildlife or um, nature. uh, Conservation efforts. Yeah. Put my money to them. They deserve it. I want them to have it. That's what I want. And I love them. And um, I mean, I just, I think they're such amazing documentaries and like I mean just they're so beautiful Disney's had a super long history of doing nature documentaries that um, one of the cool things about like Disney Plus is just getting to go into some of those deep archives that there's nature documentaries dating back to the 50s and so that was kind of one of the first times of like experimenting with different film techniques and that was kind of a bread and butter during that period and to see how it's kind of come along, evolved, and expanded. But I think one of the biggest game changers where Disney kind of had to keep up was BBC's Planet Earth series. The first one that came out, yeah, I'd say like mid two thousand, some sometime in that range. That, or possibly later, because I, I I was definitely still in school at that point. But it was one of the first times with like with true like HD footage and all of that of just getting these stunning visuals and getting like the cameras into places that had ne- really never gone before and just getting to highlight some cool stuff. And what I do think is really unique about the Disney ones is they really focus. And so 
just it being purely educational, which it definitely is really great. Oh, yeah. There, there's a story for everyone, and so they kind of, they're able to... Still have that Disney magic. ...animals, create a narrative, and let you kind of better emotionally connect by letting you kind of get to know them. Right, exactly. And I love that they, it's not just like, oh, Disney put this out. They created an entire branch of their film studio to be Disney nature, where they solely focus on making these documentaries. And that's one of like the best parts about it. Is that this isn't like, oh, well, Disney made it. It's like, no, no, no. They literally created an entirely new subsection of their production company. Put in, each film has either a $5 million to $10 million budget. They spend, they spend a lot of time making these documentaries and filming these. Like the um, elephant, they filmed this for like eight or nine, in between at least eight, but between eight and 10 months in Botswana and the other countries that these elephants walk to. And they spent all that time there. So these are very labor intensive documentaries and they have a whole separate thing, a whole separate Disney entity that takes this on. So um, that's something that I love that they are like, yeah, we're Disney and we want to shine a light on all of this, you know, and so they created an entire thing just to dedicate to educating and creating stories within nature. And they're all so unbelievably beautiful. I mean, they're, they're stunning. It's, it's not even right how beautiful these documentaries are. It's, it's just not. Like, because I remember when, so kind of going back to the Planet Earth thing. Mm -hmm. So. It might have been, like, a couple years after it, like, had initially come out. But my senior year in high school, I needed a science credit. And so they came up with this new class called Environmental Science. But, and it was first period, so it's, like, wicked early in the morning. It's 8 a.m. I'm yeah. a morning person, as you well know. Um, when I was working. Oh, what a time. But oh, my normal what a time. But, which is more my speed. But, so, high school Maddie did not like 8 a.m. classes. But, basically, at some point, my teacher just kind of gave up, and we slowly just watched Planet Earth series for, I would say, a good two months for, hey. basically, a semester class. And so, I, I always tie that to, of like, oh, yeah, I basically would come into school early just to, like, sit in a dark classroom and watch nature documentaries. And the fact that I only fell asleep about half the time shows how captivating these nature documentaries can be. But I, the Disney ones are like a whole nother level. And they really are. With like the quality of like TVs now and that kind of thing that you get to. Because they are like a great cinematic experience. But now like at home technology has kept up to where you kind of get the stunning visuals still being able to enjoy those at home too oh my god yes like we were talking about this before we were recording in that these the two we watched today coral uh, sorry i keep saying it wrong dolphin reef and elephant they're just absolutely stunning like the color 
Oh my god. The color in Dolphin Reef was just unreal. I mean, it was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. Like, so let's start it off. What's interesting is maybe it's partially personal biases and stuff, but um, of the two, so um, Dolphin Reef, which was narrated by Natalie Portman, and then Elephant, which was narrated by Meghan Markle, the Duchess of Sussex. Excuse me, according to the credits, it says Meghan, Duchess of Sussex. You have to say it correctly. Putting some respect on her name. We'll put and, that respect. But what's funny, because a lot of times you may have noticed in these episodes, Megan and I agree about virtually almost everything. Um, we actually had opposing views of, I connected way more with Dolphin Reef. And I connected way more, way more with Elephant. And so that's kind of fascinating. But let's go ahead and just get into Dolphin Reef. And so... Like we were saying with the stunning visuals, that takes place as far as in like French Polynesia, and they don't specify specifically the islands. Partially, I think, because it, like, the ecosystem of this coral reef is so secluded and stuff that mm -hmm. not nearby anywhere that like there's civilization, and so they kind of want to protect it by not like name dropping. Right. Because it is so pretty. You're just like, I want to go there. I know, like I was telling you, my nephew watched it the other day, and he was like, Mom, Mom, look, it's where Moana lives. Like, it looks, it's like, when, when, it, looks like it literally is, it's so, and I mean, I'm an adult, and when I was watching it, she had said that to me after I watched it, but I'm sitting there, and I'm watching it, and I was like, man, that really, really does look like Montanui. Like, it just is so... Oh my god, it's so stunning. It's so gorgeous. And like, can you, I could not imagine, and it's probably because I'm from America, but I can't, and our waters surrounding us are not like that, but I could not imagine just seeing that clear of water all the time. Yeah, because basically unless you get down to like very, very, very southern Florida, where it's like the Caribbean, America doesn't have that kind of ocean. Uh, no. No. Because people used to be like, oh, you're in Southern California. Why do I bet you go to the beach all the time and, like, go in the ocean. I'm like, yeah, you don't go in the Pacific Ocean because, A, it's crazy cold, and, B, riptides you don't play with. Yeah, no, and I'm not doing the that. The Pacific Ocean will mess you up, and that's part of the fun if you do go to a beach in California is you just watch the people get wiped out. And that's kind of a pastime. And then on the other side, you have the Atlantic, which once again, like, super cold. And then super big waves that you aren't just going to, like, wave in and have fun in. That, like, more Caribbean in that, like, latitude around the equator, that's where you get this, like, gorgeous, like, clear to... Like, like that, that, like, perfect turquoise water. Ugh. And it's just, it's so pretty. It was, like, I know we're waxing poetic about water, but it is it's literally, beautiful. it's so beautiful. And, like, when they were doing the aerial shots, yeah. and these, and, like, it, like when, um, it's when he was. Where I'm like, I bet, like, 
stores like Best Buy and stuff are going to use these documentaries to, like, test out TVs. Oh, absolutely. They would be stupid not to. And, like, when it was, when were they, when he was going by, like, the whale and going through the water that he was pushing through, and, like, they were not on the surface of the water, but you could see them, and I'm like, oh, my God. What is this untouched natural wonder? It's stunning. And so that, like we were saying, kind of each of these has like a narrative. And so that in Dolphin Reef, they kind of focus specifically, they use the dolphins as like a central storyline to kind of highlight this coral reef ecosystem. And so in this plot of dolphins, there's Echo, who's about like three years old. And this is the first time of like, he's having to learn to like, take survival instincts seriously and have to learn how to like provide for himself and protect himself and not let his mom do all the work and <laughs> basically it's just that like it's funny they show like the element of play that like highlights of oh it's just like a kid but also with both of these there are points you get so stressed out because you're just like oh my gosh like they can barely go a half hour without something wanting to kill them right and that's what really did i mean again it didn't stress me out as much watching dolphin reef as it did with elephant and i did say it right that time without struggling so go me but um there were parts where i was just like oh my god they're constantly i mean <laughs> they're constantly under attack break meanwhile especially in this quarantine time we're like literally sitting on a couch and doing nothing and nothing's trying to kill it. well well besides a viral bug. but yeah besides that we don't have to like worry about like something killing us in our sleep right we can comfortably sleep like it stressed me out to learn that dolphins, dolphins don't fully go to sleep they have to no sleep they only let half their brain how do you how do you, I want to know how they only sleep, they only let half their brain rest, and then they all sleep with one eye open, and I'm just like, <sighs> that's the most stressful I mean, thing I've ever like learned. REM, like, deep sleep. Right, because, like, you see all the other Disney documentaries, and, like, the bears are just passed out, passed out. African cats, they're always asleep. Um... What's the other one that... Oh, pandas? Always sleeping. Like, so to watch this and you're just like, they're literally constantly on high alert. Ooh, it stressed me out. It's super stressful. And then, like, so part of the reason why I get, like, more invested, I've always, like, marine animals have drawn me in more. And so part of it... I guess it's a little bit of the California girl in me, and also just a love of, like, tropical stuff. I've had, like, tropical-themed bedrooms since I was, like, ten. <laughs> that kind of thing. And so, um, always loved dolphins. That the Six Flags in the Bay Area that I grew up, like, so Six Flags Marine World is what it is, and so it was kind of like, a, so it's like a little bit of Sea World, but then with, like, roller coasters, too. Like, cool on Six Flags ones. But, like, I remember starting with when I was, like, five, they had a dolphin that was also my age. So then I created, like, a kinship of, like, 
this dolphin is me. So every time we go to Six Flags, I'd be like, it's Cody. He's my age. And that kind of thing. And so it's just that they're, like, so graceful. And I've always been obsessed with just, like, how smart dolphins are. It's just so fascinating that, like, they are, like, weirdly a lot closer to us. And that there's, like, things in their behavior and things that are just, like, super relatable. And so it makes it fascinating to watch, like, how they're dealing with all of this. And then then you get into, like, some of the other things that are just in their environment besides the dolphins themselves of just that coral reef environment. And even though it's, like, live-action footage, once again, just to get back to the visuals, but it literally looks like Finding Nemo. It does. It looks like, oh, my God, that's what... And that's what I was saying, like, about the Moana thing. Like, it literally looks like the Disney movies that we love. And I know that they're, it's, you know, both are Disney. But, I mean, that just, like, shows how much detail the Disney animators put into it. Like, if it looks exactly like, well, I mean, I guess, sorry, Pixar is Finding Nemo. But, like, look at how much detail went into those films. In, like, next to the documentaries. Like, you put those two side by side, and you're like, oh. Well, okay. It's just the, the level of craftsmanship at every branch of, like, in the Disney tree. That it just shows how much hard work is put into this. And how much research. so captivating. But then, like, you get to know these, like, little creatures that live in the like coral reef and so there's there's some weird looking fish y'all oh but my god that um what is it it's the whatever the, the cuttlefish is the weird teeth. no the cuttlefish cool. that had strobing skin yes so, i'm sorry uh, what so the cuttlefish is like this predator that they have camouflage kind of like the octopus that you're used to but then they also have a feature since they already can like change the colors of their skin and everything where then they just kind of go in, like, a pulsating, like, bright neon colors that, like, literally hypnotizes, like, any of the prey that they're wanting to capture because they're just, like, pretty colors. And just, like, like that's like, so wild to me. just stare at them until they, like, get eaten. And you're just, like, that, that's insane. It, it's hard to just wrap your mind around just, like, the uniqueness of these creatures. And... I just love that besides, like, the main dolphin storyline, the other biggest, like, through line is there's this little creature called a praying mantis shrimp. Oh my god, so wild. I love him. I stand that I want, like, a little plushie or something of this guy because he's just adorable. And so the whole thing is, like, he kind of builds this, like, little home out of coral and stuff, but he's super fastidious with it, that it has to be, like, the perfect structure, and, and borderline OCD, basically. Oh, it's bor- like, it is OCD. Yeah, so he's, like, this little OCD shrimp, and he's just constantly cleaning, and then when, like, other fish mess it up, that he, like, starts headbutting them, of just, like, get off my lawn and let me, like, stay in my own space. And you're like, I relate, dude. I really do. Like, I never thought that I was going to, you know, relate to a shrimp, but, but here we are. Just leave me to my stuff, and I want it the way I want it, so deal with it. And I think one of the other things, too, in the main elements of 
why I have like such positive response specifically to Dolphin Reef. So I did watch this one with my entire family and we have like a family tradition of we like to talk for the animals. So a lot of times my mom talks for my dog and then also any animals that we pass that that's just the thing she does and it's great. And so it's then kind of passed down to my sisters and I. And so basically the whole time we watched it, there was the Natalie Corbin narration and then there was our much more sarcastic commentary. That Love that. Just kind of gave a little bit more personality and edge into it as well. Just like the shrimp is just so done with everyone and it's great. So done with everyone. Just let me be in my little coral house and let me keep it clean and in order and I don't want to have to mess with you. But then I just love the, like, this such this tiny, tiny, tiny little creature that if you do, like, because the fish that he was, like, going up against were, like, way bigger than him. But he just, like, that tidbit. And it was awesome. It's just, like, you want to go, bro. Like, that, learning that that tiny little shrimp has the fiercest attack of the entire ocean and that the human equivalent in terms of strength is being able to punch through steel? I'm sorry, what? Like, it is like they show the little, um, oh, what did they call them? Was it beaters or something? Or pads or something where they... He, there are these little red things on, you know, the sides, and if he comes at you swinging, it's like the most insane attack in the ocean, and you're like, I'm sorry, a shrimp? And then, again, equivalent is punching through steel? What? I know. I'm like, now we need, like, some, like, C-list Marvel hero that's like, shrimp man. <laughs> <laughs> the power of the praying mantis shrimp. And I loved... We talked about this earlier that they, the close-ups they were doing in Dolphin, um, in Dolphin, Dolphin Reef, Reef, where like when, okay, so a crab comes up to the shrimp and he like starts to mess with his, basically like he's saying, get off my lawn. And so like for whatever reason, his eyes start to go all crazy and change and they got that close to like see that change. Oh my God. It was crazy. Because it's like a mixture of just like the intense level of like commitment and skill of the camera people. And then just how far technology has like advanced to be able to capture something that like small of a detail is just mind boggling. Because randomly the other night, because it's quarantine and we are that bored. So one of the first Disney nature documentaries was in 1956, and it was about a squirrel. Okay. <laughs> and so we watched, like, a little bit of Perry the Squirrel documentary, and you're like, this is how far we've come. Before, we were just, like, filming squirrels, which are just, like, <laughs> around so all, at all times, to now we're, like, in some exotic location, deep in the ocean, like, getting like, minor facial details of a shrimp. It's crazy. In the and like of, like, 70 years. And, like, I learned, I, I learned so much. Like, the, when they showed, like, the cleaner fish, how there are literally fish who are up, just specifically alive to clean other fish and, like, rid them of parasites. 
I never would have learned that. Like, the symbiotic relationships, and that's why there are so many documentaries and things that are centered around the core, like, the coral reef ecosystem, is it's just so fascinating, more than, like, I'd say any of the other ones in my experience of just, like, watching these kind of things, and, like, from school and stuff, is just the coral reef ecosystem is just so delicate and interconnected, just, like, every single like, creature as well as, like, plant life absolutely depends on the other, and any slight imbalance is just going to throw the whole thing out of whack. Which is just so, so crazy. And, like, they were talking about, first of all, I just want to point out, just, like, as an aside, Natalie Portman's voice was so soothing. It was. It really, like, the moments where there was levity and humor were, like, she put a little sass in it, and it was it was super enjoyable. Right, and I just thought it was just like a really, really good choice. I was a little skeptical; I didn't really understand it, but um, I thought she was great. But um, when oh man, I just I don't know. It just they were talking about how like essentially if like one. If one fish didn't get, like, eaten by another, or if, like, this process didn't happen, it's just, like, the whole ocean just gets out of whack, and you're like, okay, but the ocean's really big, so that's really stressful to learn. (laughs) And, like, how there are certain fish who eat the bad algae, so that, or the bad corals, parts of the coral reef, so that... The good coral reef can grow and ha- feed these and and like if this one doesn't yeah, here and this so like those ones have like full on teeth because they like literally eat rocks. Okay, that was literally terrifying. What they were the what were they the parrotfish? Yeah, the was it like bottlehead parrotfish? Yeah, so they have like a weird. They're like I said, there's some weird looking fish, y'all. There's some real weird looking fish out there. I'm just I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. I can't, I can't deny things. This is just true. And then, kind of going back to, like, the dolphin aspect, it is a lot of fun of just following, you're doing this arc over this whole thing of, like, the first half of it, like, Echo cannot get his stuff together because he's just a little kid and he just wants to play. But his mom is like, no, you have to learn this or you're going to die. And I can't be there for you to do it all the time. Learn! Until finally, at this one point in the process, and because there were sharks, like, Duh. he got separated from the pod. Okay, so that part made me so sad. He spent the evening by himself. And after that point, well, first off, let's just talk about it. So... He gets, like, he gets lost, and then it's dark, and he's following this one turtle because he's like, maybe you know a way out. Although the turtle just keeps going, like, deeper and deeper into this, like, creepy area where there's a bunch of, like, bioluminescent stuff. So it's and kind of like Dorian. part of a Disney movie. Yeah, it's, and, yeah. And so then, like, the Natalie Portman narration is going of, like, where... This is like a hazard type thing where both the turtle and Echo the dolphin need to go up back up to the surface to breathe, and they're just getting 
like into deeper and deeper crevices. And then all of a sudden, they pan the camera pans over into like the seafloor, and there's literally like a full skeleton of a sea turtle. And there's not just one. There's more than one. There's more than one. There's several. And it's very stressful to see. Because, like, sea turtles are one of my, like, all-time faves. And so I'm just like, no, this isn't good. Like, both of you need to get out of here. I need you guys to be okay. Come on, baby Hono. Yeah, that, like, little underwater canyon freaked me out. And see, okay, here's a good time for me to interject about why I did not identify with this documentary. I absolutely I'm not scared of water. I'm not. But open water is a freaky place, man. Too much can happen. There are too many creatures. Get away from me. I could die way too easily in way too many different ways. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't like open water. It freaks me out. And also, <clears throat> I don't like whales. Um, that might be something that yeah, some... Yeah, weirdness. Like... <laughs> I don't know. I just... I've whales I don't know they just like they freak me out I don't like how big their mouths are I don't like how long they are I don't um I don't know <laughs> I can't I just I, never I, like I thought like you'd appreciate the dynamics so when we were doing like the commentary and stuff so first they kind of go through there's this mom and a calf that have gone down for like they go from Alaska down to Polynesia for the winter season which like Good idea. I agree with that. If I could just spend six months out of the year in Polynesia, I'd do the same. And I mean same. But essentially that because, like, through the sonar and stuff that some of the other, like, male whales detect of, like, oh, this is a lady who is, like, available. So then they start doing, like, all this, like, big old competition of, like, major competition to impress her and it's like whoever makes like the biggest splash basically gets to like take on the like protector role and basically win wins the female and stuff and it's like such a huge ordeal thing for like for which guy to win and that but then further on then because these are humpbacks that later on the orcas show up and orcas Ugh. actually kill humpback whales or like they would be going after the baby. And so at some point she starts signaling and because I'm like, dude, they, the males went through all of that and they're just like, now the female is still just swimming with her son like on their own. So she starts signaling of just like, dude, what are you good for if you're... You did all the, like, displays of strength. Literally. Splashing around. Now I need you. Get your tail over here. <laughs> yeah. And see, that's another thing. Like, I don't know, man. Orcas coming in and trying to, like, eat everything. I don't know. See? Orcas are scary. See? Thank you. You, uh, and I think that's probably what it stemmed from, is that I just, like, orcas freaked me out. So I think it just extended further into, like, encompassing all whales because then i was like well mm -mm, no they're all kindred mm -mm, i don't like that mm -mm. like i would never like it would genuinely terrify me to see an orca in the wild oh for sure like it would fully freak me out so like whale launching that's not mm, that's not my gig mm-mm 
No. That's where, like, just, like, humpbacks are cool and just, like, they're just kind of so big that they literally just kind of float and chill. If they're right. not being, like, attacked by something, then they just, they're just so big that they're, like, not a menace to anybody. And I think, and that's, like, what I, something I did genuinely enjoy is, that, <laughs> this isn't even part of it, but at the end, while the credits are rolling, they're showing you how, and they did this in both of them, so it's not like, you know, this is just specific to uh, Dolphin Reef, but I really did enjoy it because as you're watching these documentaries, you're like, how on earth did they even get this footage? I need to know. I need to know how this all worked out. Because over impressive, anything involving water makes it, like, ten times harder. It's so hard, and so then they show, like, the divers underneath who are right next to the whale's eyeballs. And I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing? Get out of there. And then they show like how close they are on the boats that when like the humpbacks um, shoot water out of their blowholes, like they're getting wet because they're that close. They're and I'm like, splashing. man. And like when they're all going crazy and doing the competition, I'm like, man, you guys are way too close for comfort. <laughs> Nope. We, we learned something new. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think it's because, like, how big they are coupled with open water. It's just, like, asking f for death. That's probably the crux of it, actually. It's like if I were to encounter any of these in open water. It's like a Venn diagram of Megan Pierce. <laughs> it kind of is. You know what? On. Last thing I'll kind of get on with Dolphin Reef, because we could go through other minutia, but just watch it. Like, it's super fun. It's super cute! But I loved it! Wasn't it so fascinating, the, like, the thing with the donuts that they do to, like, trap the fish? I had no idea they did that. That is the most fascinating thing. So, like, the final lesson is just that, and it's kind of the point in the arc of the movie that, like, because Echo was so traumatized by, like, the night he spent lost by himself. He's like, okay, I'm going to take this whole survival thing a bit more seriously now. And actually try to, like, learn how to feed myself and, like, protect myself. Because I don't want to die. And so, Mom's like, okay, now you're ready. Let's, let me show you how to, like, get fish. And so, they get to, the like, the shallows. And, because dolphins can go, like, super fast. And they also like, can go extremely close to land yeah i didn't realize that like they were literally like that that close to shore yeah because there's like there's some types of dolphins that they literally for like fun and play they like to skim along like the shoreline almost like it's like boogie boarding huh and so yeah but I I don't know much basically this technique to kind of trap the fish and stuff they swim very fast in the shallow area, and through kind of, like, the, their wake, they create, like, this ring of sand that then, like, the fish feel like they're trapped, and so in order to, like, just, like, they panic, and so the fish then, like, jump out of the, like, the sand circle, and basically the dolphins are just waiting on the other side to eat them. They're just, oh, hanging out with their mouths open. 
it's kind of like you know in those movies when it's like oh they've gone wild and like like a kid's gone wild thing and on you see like some kid under like a slurpee or like a saucer <laughs> machine where they just like have their mouths open with like a slurpee gun. that's such a good analogy it's basically what's happening it's just the dolphin just sit there basically with their mouths open and just like yay lunch <laughs> And then, but uh, something that... But just, what's fun is, like, the amount of tries it took for, like, Echo to figure out the whole, like, make a circle thing. Oh, I know. She's like, like oh, she God. She by just being fun and was doing, like, figure eights. And the mom's like, that's, that's not how you do it. Oh, man. You're going to be hungry for a long time. It's like, maybe I just need to have another kid. <laughs> right at this point. <laughs> Do a nice redo. Forget this one. But, like, it takes, like, three or four tries before finally it's like, you got a circle, yay! And then the whole pod is there, and oh! It's fantastic. And what I really liked um, was at the very end, and then it's like the same shot from the beginning where they're all on the crest of the wave, and they're all just, like, riding that wave. And, oh, it's so beautiful. And um, she says, um, now they're relying on us to help their world because their world is our world. And I'm like, oh, my God. That was such a powerful, like, end note. Because, like, you know, obviously ocean conservation and cleanup is such a huge thing because – Especially now, thing of like just how delicate the coral reef system is, but also how amazing it is. Right, like you want to preserve it after seeing that. Seriously, and like it's a pretty big, like, hey, seriously, throw your garbage in the garbage, throw your recycling in the recycling bin. Don't litter. Don't be a jerk. Care about your planet. So much plastic. Right. Seriously, get a reusable water bottle. It's really not that expensive. I assure you, it is going to cost you more in the long run for you to have a case of water every week. You know what you can do if you can't have the water where you're at? Get a sink filter. They're pretty cheap on Amazon. Or get a Brita. Okay? That's all I'm saying. Obviously, I care a lot about the environment. I'm just saying. But I just thought that was, like, the most powerful end note. It, it wraps it up really nicely. And so Dolphin Reef is super enjoyable. And with both of these, they're, like, pretty short, too. That they're, like, less than an hour and a half once you take out the credits. Um, so. yeah, the first Dolphin Reef ended up being, like, it says an hour and 17 minutes. I think it ended up being, like, an hour and 13. And then Elephant was... It's like an, an hour and 20 minutes, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Credits, so it's yeah. not, you know, I mean, they're pretty standard in terms of, like, um, a the Disney nature films are all pretty much under an hour and a half. Even though there there are some intense stuff, like we said, sea turtle skeletons, like but oh. still for like your kids and stuff. That I definitely recommend. That like it's fascinating to watch and educational too, and so that that's part of the fun of these. And so moving on from Dolphin Reef, now we have Elephant, which is so, not. Just so we're clear, it is not as family-friendly as Dolphin Reef is. This was so emotional, and I don't know 
if it's because elephants are my favorite animal, so like this one spoke to me very deeply or what, but I felt like this one was so stressful. And I don't know if it's because their journey, which well, it follows. It, it's still good for kids, but like kids need to have a traumatizing animal movie because we all have one. Like our generation, it was Homeward Bound. Stop. And... I can't with Homeward Bound. Like it's going to. We're going to have that episode and we're just going to be crying about Shadow for about. The whole time. 20 minutes, I'd say at least. Look at leave. And so, oh, that, that'll, that'll be hard. Oh, yeah. Because it, it's coming. Because right now, it's the only the sequel is on Disney+. Plus, So we're going to wait until the first one. They're yeah. With. I think I it's like Stars or because it's not Netflix. I'm not going to talk contract, about a sequel first. That's crazy. But, Elephant. Yes. Yeah, the, it's like, it's stressful. There's... It's as as the NPAA likes to say, scenes of intense peril. And I mean, it is though. So you're like following this herd of elephants from uh, over a thousand mile round trip journey. So there, it's the Oka Okanari. Okan, think- yeah, I think it's Oka Okanari. So we'll go with that for now. So they're in the river delta or in the Okanari Delta. And they travel over a thousand miles across other countries from Botswana and they go to like Zambia, I think from one other country, and then they loop back around to get back to the Delta once the flood season happens again. And it's like, because the floodwaters eventually dissipate and then you have a barren land and they can't survive on that. So they make this thousand mile journey. Just because you heard horribly wrong it was Akavango. Akavango. So, yeah that sounded so more avatar you're right so, that first one that we said Okavango. so they make this round trip journey to like other areas that have wet or not so much wetlands but they like they go by victoria falls and they go you know all victoria to- falls is kind of the end destination for like the first leg and then they basically go back yeah the delta's back and it's but, like they What's have fascinating to. Fascinating is when they got on like the journey itself, is when they do the wide shot of like the paths. Oh like, my god! Paths with the little watering holes. Yes. It uh, like blew my mind. It. This was also so unbelievably stunning. Like towards the end, they have like they have the slow trickle of the water coming back into the delta, and then they have just the rushing water and like. How it literally goes from this barren landscape to just this lush, green, water-filled area. And, like, when they're making that exodus at the beginning, when they're all the animals are making the exodus away from the delta into areas where they can actually thrive during, like, the time when it's barren, it – did you feel also that it – that overhead shot – was like when all the animals were going to Pride Rock at the beginning of The Lion King. There were some Lion King moments. There were some, like, just Animal Kingdom promotional footage moments. Like, It literally looked like when they're all, when all the animals are heading towards Pride Rock to see Simba be presented. And I'm like, this, okay, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling it a lot. But, whereas, and, 
Another thing that we haven't even touched on that's super important to note is that the scores are incredible for these yes. documentaries. They found the single greatest pieces for like that turtle fight or the dolphin attack or um like any like the like the weird cuttlefish like unsettling. Yes, and like when the um elephants are like happy and playing and they have like the African music, which I loved, and they had um like some great choir moments. They had some I mean, the scores for both of these were just so amazing. So amazing. But there were moments in Elephant that were extremely difficult, at least for me to watch. And again, I don't know if it's like pandemic feelings that are just like I'm overwrought, or again, my deep love for elephants, but like when they're when they get to that first muddy area and that baby is stuck oh my god oh my god i couldn't i was so so emotional i was like oh my god there's a baby calf that's stuck in the mud and he's gonna die oh my god i can't do this (gasps) and then when they're swimming across what ends up they end up on their round trip back they end up walking over because the water has subsided so greatly when when they swam over it was 50 feet deep like they're struggling to get across this pass and I'm just like oh my god I'm gonna freak out if one of these elephants drown I'm gonna lose it I'm gonna freak out and then so I I I was mentally preparing myself because the narration in the beginning is like and this journey will be unlike anyone that Gaia has done before. And I'm like, well, she's gonna die. Dang, I did not look into that foreshadowing, but now that you say that, I'm so really stressed. started, this is Gaia, she's in charge, she's old. They, for, I guess, yeah, to be fair, they do reference the quite, so I was like, they do reference quite frequently how old she is. Jeez, I really let that one slide, huh? I was like, well... <laughs> And, just waiting. And the, okay, so now that you've brought it up that, you know, Gaia ends up dying. So basically you have three central elephants. So Gaia, which is the Gaia oldest is matriarch. matriarch. Shawnee is her sister. And then Shawnee has a son named Jomo. Jomo. Yes. And so they're going on this long journey and they It's Jomo's first journey. Yes, and it's Jomo's first journey, and there's he's so freaking cute they're all all little babies oh they're so cute and all of them are cute but i'm saying the real little babies are real cute and so they're going on this journey and then something that is so powerful that i'm so oh my god i can't believe they caught it and they caught it more than once there are two moments that i was surprised that they caught so when they're going through they see um in a area that used to be a watering hole that wasn't anymore it um they saw an elephant um skull and like bones and stuff like that okay well here's the thing about that just so we're clear it was again a year before like that watering hole was there a year before so within that time that's how you know that animal world is it was just bones already so yeah they're going and they see these elephant bones and each of them touch their trunk to it, like in, like out of respect. And I'm like, oh my God, that was unbelievable. Like, 
they all touched it and they were like, okay, we see you. We know that you were here. We're honoring you by touching your bone. Like, that was so... Like, they mourn. They mourn because then when they're all surrounding Gaia when she's dying... Gaia dies. Yeah, sorry. When when Gaia's dying and they're all surrounding her and then, like, she dies and her sister takes her ear, takes Gaia's ear and puts it over her eyes. There's a moment when, like, in, like, a death in a movie or something and they, like, they shut the eyelids of whoever Yes! It was like that. It was. She literally takes Gaia's ear and puts it over her face so that she can have, like, a moment. Obviously, because they know what's going to happen. This literally happens, just so we're clear, in Lion Country. So you know what's going to happen next. But... Thankfully, they don't show that, just so we're clear. Yeah, I was, yeah. part of me, because they show, like, the lions just, like, approaching and just kind of standing around them in a circle, and I'm like, they're not going to show that, right? I was I was nervous that they were going to show it, but thankfully they did not. But, like... I think that would change the rating of the movie. It would. It would definitely change it. <laughs> they would, no, it would change it. And so I think that that's so just incredible that they managed to catch that like her sister taking Gaia's ear and putting it over her face because she'd passed it's a human moment and they all again as they're leaving they touch their trunk to her each of the elephants in the herd like pay their respects yes and that's so amazing that they caught them paying their respects not only to their matriarch but also to the bones of like another elephant it doesn't even have to be someone of their herd. Like, it was, that was, I guess you're right, it was, like, a very humanizing moment. And I just, I just thought those were so... It was beautiful, absolutely. I just thought they were just really, really, really beautiful. Oh, I loved it so much. That was so fantastic. That part, ooh, did it for me. And it's, it's interesting of just, like... You know some of the things that are talked about in the narrative because they're talking about like specific elephants and generations of that too. So, like the Disney Nature team has kind of worked with the people that kind of work with conservation in these areas that like track these have been tracking like this group of animals for a very long time, and so they do have insights. And so that there are some moments where they show like. Gaia has the knowledge of the of like which direction to go in and these kind of things because basically in the the first way journey it's just being very strategic about different places to find water and that they do kind of do a framing device that is a little bit of like that's a raven vision meets like Sherlock mind palace yes that's exactly what it is it's like a that's so raven vision vision I was trying to figure like, so out what it reminded like, me like, of. Fast track over, like, over the land and, like, specific flashes of things that, like, showing what she's remembering to do on this path. But that it's just, it's so interesting that they are able to provide this insight of, like, there's this one moment where, like, Gaia spots a specific type of bird, so then she's like... Oh, she, she remembers, remembers from when she did this journey with her mother that these birds helped them find water. So that's where she makes the call, let's follow the birds. And that's and when they fi- end up getting to those 
those little like, islands. Because at first the birds like land on a stream, and they're like, "Yay, a little bit of water," and they start drinking. But then she notices the birds are like flying away; that they haven't like permanently stopped here. So let's keep following them, and that's when they find like Victoria Falls and the island and everything there. And I thought that was just super fascinating. And I know I didn't think that like that was a real thing either until they said that they're like, "Yeah, she's just following the birds." I'm like, "What?" What do you mean just following the birds? Because I didn't, I've, I would never have thought, you know, that birds would lead you to water. Because, like, there's another point, too, where they're, like, in, like, desperate, like, stakes to, like, get water and stuff. And she can tell they're almost there because there's, like, this insanely huge flock of, like, these red finches that the shot of, like, the red birds, like, because it really pops against, like, the desert landscape and stuff. Oh, yeah. It was some gorgeous cinematography. Because, like, it's seeing those reminds me, oh, there's, there's water nearby. We're almost there. Because if there's life, that means there's water. Oh, I just, oh, it was beautiful. Although, because we kind of addressed one of your animal fears that I'm going to talk about one of mine, it's just... I don't like when animals are in such huge numbers that it's like a swarm situation. Mm-hmm. So when they got to the worms on the trees. That freaked me out. It was freaky. Those things are real freaky looking though. Because it's just, they're, they're just caterpillars. So like an individual caterpillar. No, this thing scary. is huge. But when they're like literally hundreds, just like surrounding this entire grove of trees. You're just uh. like, Okay, I I don't like this. I don't like that at all. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. <laughs> no, ma'am. And then okay, I just well, no. I wonder if it is that like their journey is so much more stressful for them as animals than in dolphin reef or even the whales in dolphin reef, where it's like they're literally struggling they're going on this thousand mile journey and they're going like two weeks without water and then they're struggling to find food and then oh look now we have to go and get their back as soon as possible and we have to go through lion country and they're surrounding us and i think that's what made it so much more stressful is that literally so much is just happening all i mean i guess like in you know dolphin reef there was so much there were the sharks and stuff. That right. There's predator. There was like predators everywhere, but it's like. See, it's more of like other creatures trying to harm them, not as much the environment itself. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's what makes it more stressful is that it's like literally they're just trying to like live off the land and they can't. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, mud tries to kill them and oh, it's mud, man, you know. But I, I mean, I thought it was just, like I said, I think one of the most beautiful visuals is, is at the end when the Delta is flooding back and like they go underwater and you see all the fish that come with it. And you're like, this was like desert five minutes ago. And now there are fish. Because like the progression, like the time lapse that they do in that, but it's so interesting that like the fish come along because it's first just like a little trickle. Because it looks like when, like, you're washing your car and you see just the trickle of water run down your driveway. Right. 
it's like that. Except there's like a catfish trying to like swim down the trail. Right. <laughs> it's just, it is, it's so crazy to see. And then like, again, at the end of that documentary, they show them filming this and like how when they're doing like the aerial shots and everything and like how they're literally filming on the ground as you see them but then they're also doing all these aerial shots and I mean I'm sure it had to it was probably a little bit more difficult to do that with Dolphin Reef just because I feel like they probably had to use a drone for that because if you're using a helicopter and you're on the water well that helicopter is going to affect the water so I'm sure that was more of like a drone situation but they literally have like these aerial shots and they show them like and they show them next to lions, and they're like, oh my god, this is and so... And you can't protect this, like, multi-million dollar camera equipment from right. getting damaged by water. Right! And so there, it's just like, oh god, like, they, you have to give credit to, like, okay. the filmmakers themselves, like, because... Like one of the ones where I'm just like, because it's dangerous for the elephants, that I'm like, how did the people film this? Because it's equally as dangerous for them. Right, like when the so, elephants are swimming so across. There's, there's, I, I, we're, thinking we're thinking about the same thing. Because so, there's, there's this one point, they finally see the island where they're going to like chill for the next few months. It's like their sanctuary. And mm-hmm. they just have to cross the river to get there. However, the river is close 50 to Victoria Falls. So like basically upstream, there's crocodiles that want to kill them. Mm-hmm. Downstream. There's crazy currents that'll take you down a waterfall that'll most certainly kill you. So either way, you're going to die. So you have this little strip. Let's just keep going. And it starts shallow, but then it gets to be 50 feet deep. But also, it's like the level of currents that are near a waterfall are no joke. Seriously. I, I, like I said, from like that experience with the Pacific Ocean. I know to respect body of waters and currents and tides because they will drag you. Yeah. And they will, like, they will kill you if you give them the opportunity. And so, I'm like, so, the elephants have that same, like, quandary of, like, elephants or tide that takes you over a waterfall. That would be the same danger to the people filming. Right, and, like, they're literally under the water filming them. Exactly. So I'm like, is it, like, a drone that runs, like, under the river, but then how does the drone survive? No, I'm serious. They had to have been, like, fully submerged underwater themselves because it's, like, we saw the, in, like, the credits for Dolphin Reef. They're literally up close to these animals and these habitats, and you're, like, you are putting yourself into such serious danger. And, like, you're not only just under this water that's 50 feet deep. You literally have, like, 10-ton animals kicking their hooves at you. Yeah. You could get knocked out in a second. And then falling over a waterfall. Like, what? You have some, you got some real daredevils there, Disney Nature. Some real daredevils. Like, imagine the people that were, like, just hanging out with the pandas and the bamboo trees in Born in China. They're like, this is the easiest thing I'm ever going to do. I'm just hanging out watching a panda eat bamboo. 
And then you've got, yeah, well, I almost died filming elephants in Zambia. It's fine. Yeah. Like, I, it's probably all, the, all like, the same people on the team, but part of me also has a mental picture of, like, each one is a different team that, like, gives shade to the people well, like, that film less dangerous ones. Like, well, like, the, the guy the who... Elephant people make fun of the ones that did the Flamingo documentary. Right. And, like, I was just watching, um, I didn't get very far... But I had started watching the like footsteps of the ele- of elephant or in the footsteps of elephants, yeah. which is the documentary about them making the documentary elephant. Um, so kind of like Inception, and um, they were saying uh, that their director is some is a filmmaker who lives in Africa. Like he's lived there for I think the last two years or three years or something like that. So he, they used him because he knew their patterns. So, like, it, I think it is specific to, like, each one is different. Especially if they were filming these concurrently. They obviously had two separate teams. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah. I think, I don't know. It's hard to pick which Disney branch of production you'd want to be a part of. It. It's just an incredible feat of, like, filmmaking and storytelling genius. And oh, absolutely. Lastly, the thing to touch on elephants. So, you have quite the talent as far as your narrative. I was really hoping we'd get to this now. Okay. I have so much to say. So, first off, how it all begins. That rewind back to the Lion King premiere that happened in London. And so it's like big old deal. And Harry and Megan are there. Harry and Megan are just, they're precious. So precious. So they're meeting Bob Iger. And like the great supportive husband that he is, Harry hypes hypes up his wife to the CEO of Disney. of like, you know, she's super talented and she does voice work and like can do these things. And that you can tell like Bob Iger is thinking, like, this would be great, but the likelihood of actually getting, like, someone from the royal family to, like, do something with us, that I don't know. Well, here's the thing that. about so, that. Like, yeah, sure, like, we can, we can talk. Well, the thing but, about it is that they're not tech, she, you're not technically supposed to do this as a royal. That's, like, outside of your royal work. So, technically, you're not supposed to be doing it. But. I mean. They're they're not royals they anymore. They also kind of left, and so yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're not royals anymore. So this is technically her first job outside of being a royal. And so just because she had like the because this is in Botswana, and so which is where they went on their first trip together as an official couple. It's a part of their story, and that she has like a connection to like the conservation efforts for the animals there, and that she's always had like a mind for animal activism and stuff. So it definitely makes sense of like one of the causes that she holds dear. And that's what they went there first because this Botswana is like one of Harry's favorite places to go to and like do work too. And so it, it was a really cool thing and that she's really endearing as far as how she talks about it. And like the moments you can tell too of like some of the things where they're talking about like the motherhood moments of Shawnee taking care of, um, Jomo, that you're like, oh my gosh, 
because it's like it's her like Jomo Shawnee's one year old son, and so you're like, oh, the parallels. I know, and I was I was texting my friend, and I was like, yes, girl, use that royal training for that enunciation. Because it's like perfectly crisp. It is. All of her words are just like, yeah, I get it. She was an actress, whatever. But you know they have to go through lessons in order to, like, properly be able to public speak. So she used those lessons. You got to hand it to her. And I liked, I thought it was kind of hilarious. So there's one point where they talk about, like, how they, like, elephants eat mud for, like, to help with, like, digestion. And that they, like, totally use, like, euphemisms to go around this because they're like, are we really going to have, like... The Duch- Duchess of Sussex say, like, it helps them poop. So right. Like, it helps with stomach issues. Right. And, like, when they were talking about how, like, these seed pods are grow better after they've passed through an elephant. And I'm like, wow, we're really looking for it all the different ways. But you're like, wow, you, you got Megan to say that. That's you amazing. did. Power of Disney. But... I think she did great. I know that... I would say both narrations are super great. I think they're both great. Like, I found, like I said, Natalie Portman to be very soothing. So, to close things out, just to make it a fun little game, um, Megan, I would like you to to pitch as far as the celebrity narrator and animal topic that should next be covered. Ooh, okay. Um... Immediately, I want to say Leslie Jones for the humor of it all, but I won't. Um, oh, that's a really good question. Because they've done chimps, they've done African cats, they've done bears, they've done pandas and snow leopards, they did the earth as a whole, they did the ocean as a whole, they did dolphins, they did elephants. So I'll, I'll give you mine as an idea. Okay. So I want them to cover all the weird animals that are in New Zealand and have Taika Waititi narrate it. Oh my god, that is so brilliant. But they probably wouldn't go with Taika. They would obviously go with Chris Hemsworth because he's within the Disney family. Well, so is Taika. Yeah, but not in the same way that he's Thor. But if you're talking about New Zealand, you would do Taika. If you're talking about Australia. Oh, you're right, you're right. I'm, I thought you said Australia. Man, but if they did Australia and they're weird animals, then I would definitely hire Chris Hemsworth. Um... But yeah, Taika for New Zealand for sure. Franchise. I don't know what animal it would be, but Tom Hiddleston just has a great voice and should narrate things. So. Tom Hiddleston should narrate everything. He has the most like beautiful. If you've never heard him do, have you seen the weird like is it Chinese or Japanese commercial that he did? That's I think like it, I think it was Japanese. Yeah, but he did. Um, he if you go on YouTube, there's a video of him doing um may i feel said he by ee cummings and it is so splendid like it's so disney plus appropriate but it's it's pretty great it's not but it is if you're an adult it's so fantastic oh my god it's so oh it's so good and every time i listen to it i'm like i could listen to his voice all oh i know i would want idris elba just be very funny like, because you could add some, like, good humor to it, too. Right. I would want, like, Idris Elba to do, like, the Amazon or have, like, Amy Poehler 
do something just like so tiny and cute. Yeah, something tiny and cute like um like meerkats or um like uh they have otters in one of them, but like if they just did one, if they just did one fully about otters, I would want it to be Amy Poehler otters. There we go. Uh, yes, so I would want two. to do Taika New Zealand and then Amy Poehler and otters. I would I would watch that on loop. I think Amy Poehler would be the single greatest narrator for a documentary about otters, and I would watch that. And do you know how many millions of other people would watch one specifically just about otters? And relatedly, Nick Offerman. Okay, I would. I I was gonna say Nick Offerman next. Like, could you imagine anything that's like, either if you would use Nick Offerman, it have it would have to be something so cute and small to like offset his serious like manly voice, or either you lean into it and you do like bison or something. Right, I was gonna say like something in Montana. Like have him do like animals that are like specific to america like you know bison and water buffalo and like i don't know something like that like if it was just like about animals that you find in like american national parks lean all the way in and hire nick offerman i'm for it i i love that question disney better be listening to us we're giving them so many ideas between this and National Treasure, I'm telling you. Which is an upcoming episode, so stay tuned for that. So actually, that gives us a perfect exit transition. So next week, we have not one, but two special guests. We're going to be talking about National Treasure. We've actually already recorded it because time and time of quarantine is, it's wibbly wobbly. It is. And we've gone full Jeremy Baramy, and (laughs) let's see how many... Culture references I can do in one sentence, but it, it's a fun one, so definitely recommend. It is really and fun. And later this week, so basically, this episode's coming out on Wednesday, Earth Day. So, happy Earth Day, everyone! Yay! Protect the oceans, protect endangered species. Let's, let's take care of our Earth. And I wish so greatly that we could all go see these in theaters and give our money to the wildlife funds that they. Are, because, again, every Disney documentary has specific um, charities that it's going to. Mm-hmm. And we can't, we can't partake this year, and that makes me sad. Because or both of them were made for Disney+. Plus. Because I was wondering, like, Elephant was probably the one if they were going to have a theatrical release, so it would probably be that one, but... I think, yeah, I think Elephant was supposed to be, because that would make, I feel like, more sense. Because they got Megan, so. Right, and I think if you're going to have a royal doing the narration, of course, that's going to be the one you choose to release into theaters. But, I mean, Earth Day kind of got a little bit on the canceled side this year again, because, you know. We'll just add it to the tally of all of this. But, anywho, that, so this is coming out Wednesday, Earth Day, that this weekend will be when our Lizzie McGuire movie episode comes out, so, um, it'll be what dreams are made of, and so, um, thanks again so much for checking us out, um, once again, 
and like and subscribe. Much Don't forget like. to tell your friends. Tell your friends and check out our Patreon. And so um, we appreciate you guys so much. Y'all stay safe out there. And until we fangirl about stuff again. Bye. Bye.